believe is the bold dog. Roll something, make sure my story gets told. Make sure our story gets told. The night's forever young, it's us that get old. Good morning, and welcome to CJSW and the SU Weekly Show, where we talk about everything going on at the U Calgary Students Union. My name is Shazia Jinnah Morset, and I am thrilled to host my first episode of SU Weekly as your new SU president. Joined with me today is Arlen- Arlington Santiago, our new VP of Operations and Finance, and Ermia Rezai Afsa, our new VP of Student Life, helping to make this show possible today. In case this is your first time hearing about it, the Alberta provincial election is fast approaching. On May 29th, Albertans will head to the polls to select a provincial government. Students can't afford to sit this one out. Since 2019, post-secondary education has become less affordable. The average student is paying 33% more than they did in 2019, or about $1,200 a year. The problem is that despite paying more, students are getting less. And like everyone else, they are feeling the rising cost of other goods and services and have been experiencing this pinch for quite some time. Too often, voters don't get to know the local candidates running in their constituency. To do our part, we have reached out to candidates running in several Calgary ridings, primarily those with large student and youth populations, to have them talk about uh, their background and their takes on post-secondary issues. And we even have some party leaders as well that are joining us. 
if you are a provincial uh, if you are a provincial election candidate and want to come on CJSW and SU Weekly to chat, we would love to have you this month. Please reach out to the SU. So last week we had the Green Party of Alberta candidate for Calgary Buffalo, Jonathan Parks, and NDP candidate for Calgary Varsity, Dr. Luanne Metz, on the show. Please be sure to check that out if you missed it online or on the CGSW app. But without further delay, I would like to welcome today's first guest, leader of the Green Party of Alberta and candidate for Edmonton Rutherford is Jordan Wilkie. Jordan was elected as the leader of the Green Party of Alberta in 2020 and is currently serving his 15th year as a firefighter. Jordan also brings his experience and expertise having worked alongside international organizations and Indigenous leaders during ecological disasters and years hosting workshops to help make communities safer to the, ta- uh, uh, to the table. Without further delay, I'd like to welcome the Green Party of Alberta leader and candidate for Edmonton Rutherford, Jordan Wilkie, to the show. Welcome and good morning. Good morning. How are you, Shazia? Doing great. Doing good. And yes. congratulations on all your new positions. Thank you uh, so much. Yeah, it's an honor to be here speaking with you on Treaty 7 land, uh, Region 3 for the Métis. And uh, it's great. We drove down yesterday, uh, had a CBC interview this morning, and now we get to talk uh, to the students, which is one of uh, the most important things that we could be doing right now. So I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. I got to do a CBC home stretch interview earlier this week and um you know they did say that the cgsw studio is nice so i mean you're in a good place (laughs) all right so let's get started can you tell us a bit about yourself and how your experiences have impacted your decision to embark as a candidate in this election absolutely well i care deeply about people Uh, i've dedicated my life to to helping others especially in times of need Uh, i've been an emt a firefighter for a long time i volunteered with the Red Cross, uh, specifically uh, for personal disasters, uh, people out on the street, but also the large uh, major emergencies that we've had here in our province over the last few years. Slave Lake wildfire and uh, the Calgary floods and then Fort Mac. Uh, So yeah, I mean, I've been looking at all these issues and it's frustrating when you're always showing up and and the house is on fire. So it it was... to be more proactive, I think, was a critical piece for me, to, especially for you know, how I can help on the highest level. And, and so I got into uh, disaster emergency management and uh, a lot of humanitarian work. I went and got my master's out on the island in Royal Roads, and uh, I started working closer with the Red Cross. Uh, but I also started working to do some policy with municipalities, and I realized that Everything was very reactive. Uh, the politicians were acting very reactively. Uh, when, when, you know, there, there's issues, massive issues that are not being accounted for, whether it's a poverty, the houseless issues, the addiction issues. And now we've got the wildfires burning. And of course, everyone jumps up and says, how could this happen? But it's very logical how this could happen. And we should have expected this to happen. Uh, we continue to not see that to, to not see the proactive and systemic solutions that exist around the world being implemented. And so that's why I think that we need to have uh, this voice at the table. And that's what brought me uh, into politics. And it brought me to the Green Party. I think Green Party are poised to really be that voice, uh, specifically around the climate destabilization and issues around uh, people getting by and, and, and a stronger society and, and a better society for, for everyone. But unless we can get uh, these systemic solutions out there and we can have these conversations, 
then nothing will change. And it's just like what you said, we got an election coming up. And if you don't vote for change, then nothing changes. Absolutely. Um, That's a great introduction. And I think that's something that a lot of us have taken away is uh, over the last few years uh, is that we need proactive um, approaches. It's not enough to be reactive. And uh, the way that how fast our world moves is uh, it's really important to to have proactive approaches and and see those problems coming and know what you can do about them. Um, So I guess this kind of answered uh, your the next question I had, which was what made you uh, decide to run for the party you chose in this case, the Green Party of Alberta? And uh, what do you bring to the table in terms of knowledge and experience as a candidate? And how do you plan to use that in a positive and constructive way to empower Albertans? Yeah, so looking at, at these issues, it's, I don't want to say everything is, is a big emergency, but I, I know that, that there's a lot that we can be doing uh, for society. Right now, we've got two parties that are kind of two sides of the same coin. If everyone goes on CBC Vote uh, Compass and takes a look at where they stand regarding their actual values, they'll see that if you're progressive, we're the only party out there on the left. And uh, so when we talk about ways that we can make an impact, it's important that we call out a lot of the corruption in the system, we call out, call out the anti-democracy issues in the system, we need electoral reform, we've got to really early start talking about proportional representation and what that means for Albertans, the fact that we've already had it. And we also are talking about the, just this captured government of, of you know working for almost corporations instead of the people. And so there's no Labour Party in Alberta. Uh, we are speaking for uh, the, the working class and, and, and the average Albertans. And there's just no other voice out there. And of course, the NDP, they, they position themselves as progressive. But when you actually look at the policies and the platform, uh, instead of just these oppositional uh, uh, arguments between two parties, you see that they're actually not very far apart and that we do need these third voices or fourth voices to come out and really uh, speak to the issues. And we see a lot of criticism, but we don't see a lot of solutions. Uh, so we're the party for solutions. We're the party for the big systemic uh, uh, ways of, of, of creating a, a healthier society, uh, focusing on well-being, uh, focusing on uh, the average Albertans being uh, able to, to really thrive in, in this province. And right now, it doesn't seem like that's happening. They talk about being in an oil boom, uh, an economic boom, but you, we look around. I don't know, Shazia, does it look like we're in a boom? Does it feel like that? Well, I can tell you from the perspective of post-secondary students, uh, certainly not, right? We, we are exactly. at a breaking point and uh, that... I'll, I'll throw you one more question before we head into some post-secondary questions. Um, what do you view as the greatest strengths and challenges that Albertans and students in particular are currently facing and how do you plan to address these challenges? As far as challenges are concerned, everyone's struggling with affordability. And we, I don't know if you want me to get into now what we think needs to happen, but I mean, a lot of it, it does uh, have to do with post-secondary. Uh, so if we want to get jump right into that, then then we can create sort of uh, the systemic approach. And I can talk a bit about the platform uh, positions for the Greens. Sounds I, good. It's very exciting. All right. Let's uh, dive into post-secondary questions. And I think, yeah, this first one will uh, give you the opportunity to kind of talk about that affordability challenge, because that really is um, one of the biggest Absolutely. for post-secondary students, especially. Uh, so post-secondary students in Alberta are facing significant challenges with regard to affordability. Tuition increases have put additional financial pressure on students with a 33% increase since 2019. Despite the 2% cap on tuition increases announced by the UCP for domestic students, 
which will begin in the 2024 to 2025 academic year. Students are already facing tough situations regarding financial pressures due to tuition hikes. Many students are being forced to sacrifice their basic needs because of these financial stressors. What will you do to lessen these uh, financial pressures and support students at a time when they need it most? Right. I think you nailed it there with basic needs. Basic needs is uh, critical all across society, but students are struggling right now. And, you know, just looking at the way the the food bank is being utilized, it's uh, up 200% last I checked. Uh, People are struggling and and the students are are having a very hard time with these high tuition fees. Uh, The other parties seem to be throwing some scraps their way regarding caps and things like that. Uh, But we look look at holistic, systemic approaches to ensuring that students can thrive and that they can focus on their studies and then uh, enter the workforce and go on with their lives. Uh, so when we talk about tuition, uh, we look at countries you know, and regions around the world that, are, that have free tuition. And there's no reason in a province as rich as ours, with as much resources as ours, uh, that we shouldn't have free tuition. And so that is part of our platform, and we're the only party that's talking about that. We need to alleviate the student debt issues. We need loan forgiveness. We need to get people back on their feet. Uh, There's huge, huge amount of stress for students. Food insecurity, anxiety, and we know how hard it is. I know how hard it is. I was a student, and I just think that the other parties are completely out of touch with the struggles that are being faced uh, by students. So if we can get free tuition going, if we can at least start that conversation, uh, students should be demanding this. We have all the resources we need to, to get this done, and, and we can fund it through uh, our resource royalty rates. Peter Lougheed uh, showed us in the 70s how to make sure that we can pay for all of our public services and how we can take care of average Albertans. However, we continue to ignore the fact that these companies are profiting record rates, 1,000% in the last Three years, oil and gas is up. Uh, utility companies up five times uh, just in the last year. Uh, we know the grocery stores are profiting. And so we need to cap these, these – if anything, we shouldn't be capping tuition rates. We should be capping these, uh, the excess profits uh, from these companies because it's absolutely ludicrous uh, that we're getting raw blind and that students struggle. Uh, this is absolutely unacceptable and we need to be speaking out to it. Absolutely. So you you mentioned free tuition. Um, and so you touched on it a little bit, but how would this uh, be implemented? And, and what do you think this would mean for students? Um, and how would this apply to international students, for example? And how could this uh, really create that, that holistic approach uh, to alleviating what is quite a large burden and stress on students? Right. So first of all, when we talk about getting our royalty rates up, ensuring that we can fund these, uh, the, that are our, our institutions and our public services. We also need to raise the corporate tax rate. It's the lowest in the country. It has to go up to in line with the other provinces. That's 12%. When we do that, we can properly fund the inst- institutions. Once that happens and we can al- and alleviate the tuition fees, we'd start with undergrads, of course. Uh, we would start with Albertans and we would go from there. And when you do that, you create this new sense of well-being and its ability for these institutions to function. I mean, right now, 
They're making cuts. They're trying to keep the lights on. Uh, they're trying to get as many uh, international students as possible so that they can uh, keep their budgets going. And I think it, it really, sh- you know, Albertan students are struggling. And right now it's like we have to start at the basics. I always think of like the, the hierarchy of needs. And so whenever I look at these issues, whether it's uh, the homeless issues, whether it's uh, our education systems, our public systems, whether it's wildfires, it, we always have to start at the, at the basic needs. So ensuring free, t- free tuition is, is, I think, a critical thing. I think education is, is a right and that we should all have access to it. And when you do that, you're creating this incredible uh, wave of, of equality and equity throughout our system. It shouldn't just be rich uh, families or people that can that can afford uh, education. We have to ensure that it's equitable for uh, the people of this province, and and this c- could be an enti- a huge game changer in that regard. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's a big point of it that you hit on there is is funding the institutions. You know, that's why the SU um, one of our big asks have been reversal of cuts is because it's one thing to to you know alleviate the students' financial stress and what they're paying, but it, we need to fund these institutions and have um, the resources, that quality of education, that also is a very important. Um, and so I think this leads me into my next question. Uh, access to summer employment opportunities is a challenge students have continued to face since the cancellation by the UCP of the summer term employment program, STEP, in 2019. Students are simply not eligible for the current job programs, which require permanent full-time employment. In June 2022, youth employment sat at 10.2%, double the provincial uh, unemployment rate of 4.9%. Students are heading into their fourth consecutive jobless summer with increased living costs, hiked tuition, and no government support. How do you perceive this challenge and what strategies, if any, uh, do you plan to enact to help students overcome this inadequate access to summer employment opportunities? Right on. Um, unemployment, the way we see it, unemployment is unacceptable. Just the same as poverty in our society is unacceptable. Uh, tuition fees are unacceptable. Uh, we need to make sure that we create these uh, job, uh, job, basically, I don't want to say pipelines, job, access to jobs, <laughs> job pipelines, yeah. access to, to job programs. And so in our policy and, and in our platform, uh, we talk about creating uh, Alberta Resiliency Corps. Uh, it's focused on uh, some of the climate issues in our society, but there's so many green jobs out there, uh, and we just need to have a bit more access to them, and you need to have uh, these government incentives to get people into these programs. Uh, so we're committed to work uh, alongside unions to promote you know, uh, you know, fair wages and access to, to jobs for students and uh, ensure that graduates can can join in in the emerging sectors, especially the green sectors as we transition our economy. And, and I think that it's an, a huge advantage uh, for Albertans to, to have these, these programs in place. Uh, yeah, students not, not working, I think, is, is again, it's a lack of forethought and a lack of proactive elements of the government that, that is not helping students get into these positions. Because as soon as you do that, uh, of course, you're creating the networks that you need once you graduate and, and go out into the workforce. So it's critical. 
Absolutely, yeah. The, so the STEP program, actually, what it did was subsidize, um, it, it through an, a provincial investment, it gave the opportunity for um, organizations and companies to apply, and, and they would be able to be subsidized $7 per hour for the uh, students that they hired. And that is, that's that line between being able to hire students for the summer or not being able to hire students for the summer and also creating, you know, jobs for students and faculty of arts and things like that that may, you know, have that larger challenge uh, with getting into the markets, especially with the economy that we have. So uh, it's great to hear that uh, you look at it from a proactive lens. And um, so the next one that I'll ask here um, is, you know, something that is a concern for post-secondary students, but also for our whole province at, at large. But we know that uh, mental health has become a, a even more pressing challenge for students um, since the pandemic. So mental health is an increasing concern for post-secondary students. And one in two students say that they need mental health support but cannot access the resources that they need. Students need someone who will help to make sure their health is made a priority. What is your perspective on the issue and what do you plan to do in addressing it? So one of our main platform planks is uh, universal mental health care. And it's something that Greens have been talking about and talking about and talking about. We talk about universal, uh, we talk about universal health care, but uh, they leave out mental health, they leave out physiotherapy, they leave out pharmacare. Uh, so there's so many issues that we can that we can talk about when we talk about comprehensive healthcare. But for students, it's critical. Uh, you know, they and going back to putting this back in with with what we we talked about earlier about getting jobs as well. They need a safety net. So. The Greens look at the the systemic solution of, of a basic income as well. So when we look at how to support students, it's free tuition, universal mental health care, basic income. It's a game changer for students. They don't have to worry about whether they can afford their books or, or buy food. Uh, rent control is massive for affordability. But all of these things help alleviate the mental health issues in our society. So as soon as you take the stress out of that, and like we don't even have to have to talk about the climate anxiety, that's also an issue. But we are tackling that as well. So you know, bear in mind that uh, that Greens are looking at it in, in a holistic and, and way of of really combating all these problems in in a way that actually moves the needle. Because right now it seems like we're just being offered scraps or half policies and, and, you know, just to get by. But I think that we need to thrive. And I think that there's no excuse for us not to. And that's why we need the people uh, with part and parties like the greens in place to be talking about these. Like, why aren't we talking about a basic income? Why aren't we talking about free tuition? It's this incrementalism from the other parties that, you know, they, they get people fighting over the scraps when really there's just so much on the table that is not being offered at all. And so when it comes down to mental health, it's a no-brainer. It's a proactive solution for all of society, whether you're um, – it doesn't matter how old you are. It's, it's a necessary right, so you should always have that. And as a firefighter, I know that very well. Uh, I had to struggle – I struggled with PTSD. I had to access therapy. It was $200 an hour. How was I supposed to afford that if I wasn't on WCB? Right, so I know it very well. It's 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 a personal issue for me. Albertans are struggling, and students are struggling, and there's absolutely un, unnecessary, and they need to be demanding more. So our 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 motto during this election is is demand better because you deserve better. And until we can we can rise up and and, and have a voice and, and go out and vote on on mass for parties that are talking about the values instead of this this constant voting for the lesser of two evils or, or voting against someone. We have to vote for what we want or else we will never get it. 
And that's what we're putting on the table during this election. And that's why our platform really matters. Wow. Yeah, that is powerful. I, I say that a lot is um, it's it's really important to go for something rather than against something, right? Run on, run for something rather than just running against things because that is, yeah, how we move the needle forward. And um, as someone who got in a car accident last year, about a year ago, and is hypermobile, physio is a, is a big part of mental health and, and exactly. well-being. And um, it's it's expensive, very costly. And uh, same as, you know, mental health appointments too with a psychologist. It, it Mine went up $10 now last, at the end of last year, right? So now it's two twenty an appointment instead of just the 210 So it's, it's, and that little difference, it makes right. a difference, right? And it's only going to increase. And um, that, that care for caregivers as well, right? And, and our public service um, folks that really do put themselves on the line every day um, to serve their communities, they, they need that care as well. Uh, and that's a, that's a really holistic view uh, to hear. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's like we're, we're just like one incident from being uh, down this rabbit hole where we could end up even on the street, yeah. right? And it's, it just shows how fragile this is and, and how much we're struggling and we can get set back months or years from a car accident, right? Uh, I have candidates that, that live below the poverty line. I have candidates on age, right? Yeah. So we're, we are the party that's, that's speaking on these issues and it's very, very real for us. Yeah, and yeah, that's a very powerful concept to come with because um, it's it's an experience many many Albertans have, and uh, there's a lot of uh, culture shift that has to happen along with it as well. So that's uh, excellent to hear. And so finally, um, what is one takeaway you would like students to have from our conversation today, either about your platform or heading into this election? More than anything, just to get involved in democracy. I think that you know, for me, when I was younger, uh, I wasn't as involved as, as I wish I was. And uh, I was always sort of raging against the, the system or I, I felt left out of the system. But uh, what I realized is that you have to get, be part of it. It's e- easier to, to, to put up the middle finger and walk away. Uh, it's harder uh, to get involved. But we need to – that's the, the, the key to, to democracy – is that students need to get involved. They are a stronger uh, influence than they, than they even think or know. And the more they get involved, the more they see, then you pull back the curtain, that it's not as complicated as they want you to think. Uh, it, these issues aren't complicated. For example, trickle-down economics, it doesn't work. We need to bring people up together, right? Trickle up, whatever you want to call it. It's like these are the issues that we need to be fighting for. And it's unacceptable to have poverty in our society. It's unacceptable to leave people on the street. It's unacceptable for students to struggle the way, the way that they're struggling. And we need to support one another. But until we, uh, until we tackle the, some of the corruption in our system and, and some of the issues regarding the corporations profiting on levels that are now breaking records, we're never going to be able to, to thrive as a society. And I think that it's important that we talk about these issues, not just in our student groups, but we get out there and we get involved and get involved with a party that is, is speaking your values, even if they're smaller. And it's really important that, that we don't uh, turn away, uh, that we, we have to focus on these issues and we have to speak out on them. And, and the democracy gives you that pathway to make the change. But unless you get involved, it just won't happen.
Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we are fortunate with our multi-party system in the sense that, you know, we're not choosing between one or the other and, and we have that ability in our democracy. So Right. But that's the scary part yeah. is that we are in a two-party system yeah. now and we are losing that ability to have these other voices yeah. and these other options. And so if yeah. we don't get involved now, it will, these two-party systems will go, they'll get stronger and stronger yeah. and they will mute out the rest of the voices and that we can't let that happen. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jordan. That was a great interview. And uh, best of luck in the month ahead here. Thanks, Appreciate London. It. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Awesome. All right. We are going to take a little mic break here, and we will be back with our next guest, uh, Julia Hader. Thank you. CJS, CJSW 90.9. Keep it locked. Have you started your journey towards your personal health goals? At Active Living, located at the University of Calgary, we have everything you need to lead the way to healthy, active living. We offer diverse facilities, comprehensive programming, and services all open to the public. From group fitness to personal training to having access to one of the biggest racket centers, we have what you need to help you on your journey. Visit activeliving.ucalgary.ca. The Gauntlet is the University of Calgary's independent student newspaper and your best resource for news on everything from tuition hikes to pretzel vendors. Find The Gauntlet on stands all over campus, online at thegauntlet.ca, on Facebook as The Gauntlet Publication Society, on Twitter and Instagram at Gauntlet UFC, and in your home, listening to the sweet rise and fall of your breath as you sleep. Not for journalism purposes, just because we like you.
All right, welcome back. My name is Shazi Jinnah Morset, your new SU president, and you are listening to CJSW 90.9, and this is the SU Weekly Show. You just listened to Moment to Change uh, by Mano Tuff. And now I am excited to welcome our second guest of the day running in Calgary, Edgemont for the NDP is Julia Hader. Julia currently works as an education assistant and has experiencing experience working for several not-for-profits to support persons with disabilities. As a devoted member of her community, Julia has also worked with her local community coalition to promote safe and healthy neighborhoods. Without further delay, I'd like to welcome NDP candidate for Calgary Edgemont, Julia Hader, to the show. Welcome and good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. So, oh my gosh, my notes are all over a mess. But just give me one sec here and I'll be back to normal. Okay, thank you for your patience there. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your experiences have impacted your decision to embark as a candidate in this election? Uh, well, as you, I'm, I'm Julia Hader. Uh, I am a mom of three kids and an educational assistant. Um, and what got me into politics? Um, it would actually go back to 2019 uh, when Rachel Notley won. Uh, sorry, 2015. 2015, uh, Rachel Notley's won. When um, it filled me with so much hope and optimism for our province. And when the party asked if I would run in 2019, um, I was so excited to, to run on that slate of candidates after seeing all of the uh, good things that we did um, as an NDP government. Uh, and I would say that that was why I wanted to continue to run for 2023. But then after having conversations on the doors, I think the passion is kind of coming from seeing what's happening to our province and, and wanting to, to go back to having good governance. Absolutely. Well, so leads me to my next question. What made you decide to run for the party you chose, in this case, the NDP? 100% Rachel Notley. She is a trusted leader. She says what she does. She does what she means. Uh, We know that when she says she's going to fund public health care, public education, she's going to do that for us. Amazing. And so turning the lens to yourself a little bit yeah. now, um, what do you bring to the table in terms of knowledge and experience as a candidate? And how do you plan to use that in a positive and constructive way to empower Albertans? That's a fantastic question. I would say it's a, a, a two-part answer to that. Yeah. First would be from working. I, when we were in government, I ended up working with an MLA and minister. Uh, so I had the opportunity of going out and door knocking with her and talking to constituents, uh, going to stakeholder meetings, like meeting with the student union or even meeting with the president of the university and seeing what was important happening here and going to community events. Um, and as an MLA for Calgary Edgemont, I would you know, continue to do that important work of actually just talking with people and consulting with them and seeing what the needs are and, and advocating for that. Uh, on the other side of things, I have um, I get the pleasure of working with kids um, as an educational assistant with special needs, which gives me great joy. Um, it was a thrill uh, last week to actually stand with Rachel and hear that we were going to commit to 4,000 additional teachers uh, to bring down our classroom sizes and uh, 3,500 educational assistants. So kids actually have the supports where they need it. Um, they're, they're our future. So it was exciting. 
That is really exciting to hear. And, you know, as someone who studies pedagogy myself, I can't overstate the importance of teachers, right, and and, uh, supporting them and and having enough because that's really what shapes the educational experience all the way through to post-secondary, you know, and and support staff as well. Like, that's that's really where we've taken a hit at the university, I feel like, over the last few years is with budget cuts – or support staff, right? And and yeah. that I've spoken to professors and and to hear how their experience has changed with how they can teach, yeah. um, and and their own burnout um, without support staff, right? So uh, this leads me to my next one: is what do you view as uh, the greatest strengths and challenges that Albertans and students in particular are facing, and how do you plan to address these challenges? I would say the greatest strength we have as Albertans is Albertans. Um, we are resilient. I think that overall we care for our community, we care for our province, and we want to be one of, you know, leaders. We want to be a leader in Canada. We want to be leaders in the world. Um, and unfortunately, um, the greatest challenge I hear on the doorsteps is our crumbling healthcare system. Um, over the last four years, we've seen doctors fleeing to other provinces. Um, we, you know, our, our wait times have gone up at the hospital level. Uh, I'm quite happy to know that with the Alberta NDP, we want to put in more family health teams um, and finding a million spots uh, for patients to see doctors. Um, and we, we need those more spots. We need more spots for patients right now so we can bring down the wait times um, at our hospitals um, and uh, people can get the care where and when they need it. The other big thing would be, uh, you know, for post-secondary students, affordability. Um, students are not able to, some, some of them are not able to afford to finish their university or their post, you know, whatever post-secondary institution they're at. Um, and there's those choices of do I continue on with my post-secondary or do I eat or do I pay my bills? And, and those are really hard and, and sad conversations. Absolutely. You know, just to, to add to that, we, we know that students are at that breaking point, right? We, we heard, we surveyed students in December, one in five students say they can't afford to pay you Calgary's fourth consecutive tuition increase. And another 67% of students say these tuition increases are causing a moderate to extreme stress on their finances. And while those are just words on paper, it means yeah. that students are choosing between, you know, their next yeah. meal or, and to be in that classroom. And we're sitting next to peers that you know, are going without to be there in that classroom and it's not creating conditions to, to develop into those future leaders that you rightfully yeah. said that Albertans really uh, are as a value almost. Um, so that's excellent to hear. And I know that as we expand enrollment at universities, mm-hmm. right, that strain, it, it puts on the overall system of, of a community and that's healthcare is massive in that um, because that means with every more every student we enroll, that's, you know, uh, not necessarily from Calgary or living in Calgary before they start or is international. Um, yeah. That's that's all people that will need spots to be able to see medical practitioners as well. And yeah. sometimes they have, uh, you know, chronic illnesses, things like that as well, that they'll still need to care, care for um, once they've moved here. So um, that's a very uh, holistic view at that. And so I'll lead into some post-secondary questions now with you is yeah. post-secondary students in Alberta are facing significant challenges with regard to affordability. Uh, tuition increases have put additional financial pressure on students with a 33% increase since 2019. 
And despite the 2% cap on tuition increases announced by the UCP, which will begin in the 2024 to 2025 academic year, students are already facing tough situations regarding financial pressures due to tuition hikes, as I just mentioned. Many students are being forced to sacrifice their basic needs because of these financial stressors. So what will you do to lessen these financial pressures and support students at a time when they need it most? Well, I was very excited to hear that Rachel has already committed uh, to reversing Daniel Smith's tuition hikes um, and freezing the current, uh, freezing tuition back to the 2022-2023 levels. Um, Hopefully that will make life a bit more affordable for students to continue on with their education. Um, And outside, you know, we have committed to capping car insurance again, or, you know, utilities, uh, sorry, as well as utility yeah. insurance. Sorry, no. Capping, capping, capping car insurance and capping utilities. Um, it's Life is getting too expensive for all of us and all Albertans, um, not just post-secondary. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, my brain is functioning just the yes. same as yours today, yes. so not to worry <laughs> I at think all. we both need more coffee yeah. today. <laughs> a very small one. Um, <laughs> and so right along that line that you were saying, you know, um, alleviating these financial pressures yeah. um, overall will help s- and support students. Um, so we know that a lot of the root causes, say, for example, um, for food insecurity lead back to affordability in general, right? It's it's one of those things that students will easily go without because, you know, it's not like not paying your rent and losing your home or it's not like dropping out um, and those big changes and, and they'll do it silently. So um, any other affordability measures uh, such as food security support on uh, campuses, will that be a priority, for example? That would be a priority for the Albert NDP and Rachel Notley. Uh, post-secondary has always been one of our priorities. Uh, we have said that we would um, create a student board for conversations uh, with students. Uh, me personally, if I was to be elected as an MLA, I would be wanting to meet with the student union. I would want to be meeting with the students as well just to hear what is happening um, at the post-secondary level and what I could do to support um, learning um, as well as affordability. What could I do to to help you guys. So. That's wonderful to hear. And I know just from, you know, Edgemont is a, there's a quite a bit of students that uh, are, you know, that have lived in that community and yeah. then joined the University of Calgary and continue to, or it's yeah. quite close proximity that some people move there and they're, they're yes. moving for post-secondary, right? So yeah. uh, there's a, a, a very student heavy area. Um, and so another question uh, regarding post-secondary, uh, mandatory non-instructional fees, MNIFs, are required fees that the university charges charges to students in addition to tuition for additional goods and services. These fees have increased by 20% since 2019 for students, significantly above inflationary rates, yet there has been stagnant or declining services provided to students as a result of these fees. That increase is separate from the 33% in tuition increases that we've mentioned. These fees remain a loophole uh, for universities to increase student costs outside of tuition. Uh, Do you think it's fair that students are paying above inflationary rates for these fees and getting less and that the university is using MNIFs as a workaround way to increase tuition? ultimately for the students. It is absolutely not fair. Um, that's something that makes me angry to hear. Um, and I think that goes back to us consulting, you know, and, and creating a student board uh, and working with students um, uh, to make, make life more affordable for you and education more accessible. Absolutely. Um, along that line, uh, 
any any thoughts or ideas of of how something like that um, could come to be if if the NDP formed government? And if not, um, that's totally okay as well because yeah. uh, you know that's that's something that I think a lot of students uh, like to hear. That consultation is what leads to these things because yeah. um, we know students as partners, we know students in in general um, when they're part of the conversations, they feel that much more um, valued, and and that's something we've seen over the last year, and yeah. and especially with our, our own uh, consultation issues on campus, for example, that consultation is, is extremely important for students and, and navigating um, and, and hoping that our governments will navigate using our opinions and using our voices uh, as, as credible uh, resources to, to guide the way. Yeah, and I, when it comes to consultation, even watching what our MLAs and um, Rachel did, well, you know, we were in opposition, was consultation. We have been consulting with Albertans for the last four years. Um, and wanting to hear their feedback on what they want for a better future. And with those consultations, we've come up with some of our platform promises and, you know, even have like a game plan for when we are government. What are we going to do? There's that roadmap already there. And it is with consultation. And um, I know that when we say we're going to consult with students, Rachel will ensure that we can continue that consultation and that communication. And as I said, too, if elected, it would be one of my, my priorities. It's wonderful. Um, so another little bit of a technical question. Um, so of course, if uh, if uh, we can't get into the technical details, I absolutely yeah. <laughs> understand, and yeah. we can speak more on again yeah. um, any any areas of, of your platform and things that that uh, can yeah. speak to this. But Alberta's ratio of loans and non repayable grants for student financial aid is grossly imbalanced. Students currently receive significantly fewer non repayable grants than our provincial counterparts. Yeah. Student financial aid is imperative to make education accessible for students and provide opportunities for continued education. In a time when students are at a breaking point from increased financial strain, how do you plan to support student access to financial aid and advocate for a more equitable balance of available government resources? You know, it's, it's really disappointing how UCP has made post-secondary education so unaffordable for students. Um, and um, as you said, it is a technical question. Um, so I guess it's just that guarantee that we will do consultation with with the students. Um, and, you know, we will be in here <laughs> saying, what can we do to help? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, and no, that's a, that's a great yeah. answer to have because, uh, again, ultimately it does come down to, uh, at least in my, my eyes and, uh, the students union at large is, is consultation yeah. is very important. Yes. And, uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's a, it's a really great commitment to hear. Yeah. When, um, well, when we were in government with the MLA I was with, we met with the student union, um, if not, I'd say at least every second month, if not at least once, you know, every, like we, we met and we were very accessible because um, yeah. it was important for representation. Yeah. And I can, I can speak to that relationship yeah. that, you know, um, that that's, that's a big part of, of what, you know, if you're a student listening, your student's union does for you is, is meets with government officials to yeah. advocate on your behalf on a regular basis. Um, and so having access to those meetings and being able to meet and discuss the issues is a really important part of, of how we can make a difference um, for our constituents as your student union elected officials, but also um, for just our, our societies at large yeah. and, and make sure that post-secondary issues are prioritized, right? Yeah. And um, that's something I think overall the SU has really been pushing for this year is 
to know that post-secondary issues, we want average Albertans to be thinking about um, the value of post-secondary, right? It's a brings in, uh, the U Calgary alone brings in multiple billions of dollars into the Alberta economy. Yeah. Um, and and students are feeling undervalued um, at, a, at a really critical time in, in our, our societal uh, transformation, I think. So um, it is really important to hear that uh, consultation is important and making yourself available, especially consider your constituency yeah. area that you're running in. Yeah. Um, so less of a technical. Okay. <laughs> Mental health is an increasing yes. concern for post-secondary students. Yeah. One in two students say that they need mental health support, but many cannot access the resources that they need. Students need someone who will make sure, will help to make sure their health is made a priority. How do you plan to address this issue? Um, and especially considering uh, the increased number of enrollment of not just um, uh, you know, people from across Alberta coming to Calgary for the for university, but also uh, int- nationally and internationally yes. as well. Yeah, mental health is such an important conversation um, across the board for for many of us um, right now. Um, and when it comes to post secondary uh, or just you know burnout for teachers, every, every one of us, um, I think that where we turn back to our family health teams plan. Um, by having that access to uh, family health teams where there is mental health supports, um, and, you know, and those will lead to other uh, hopeful, you know, supports. And we have committed to five appointments for people for mental health. Um, I realize that sometimes that's, that is not enough, but hopefully those, you know, those meetings and those appointments will get you to further to other transition because I, university is stressful enough. I don't know how students do it these days with all of these pressures, and we we need to be supporting mental health, as, you know, on, on top of affordability. Absolutely, um, that's yeah. We know that for for post secondary students, um, the pandemic has only worsened yeah. um, the mental health. Uh, Crisis, I will yeah. call it, you know, because yeah. that's really what it is. And I've been a student since 2015, and I've only, um, you know, someone that has had to see a mental health professional um, for major a good yeah. chunk of my life. Um, there, there's an access line there that that really can prevent students from being able yes. to to yeah. get that help and and be able to ultimately thrive and become those leaders yeah. um, that Albertans are at their core. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting to hear that how uh, the family health system, because we know, especially for even some international students, but local students as well, stigma is a big challenge for why they don't access mental health supports. Yes. And sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, being South Asian myself, I know that uh, the South Asian community has, um, you know, difficulties still with, with uh, you know, coming to, to terms of, of decreasing that stigma and, and understanding uh, that mental health is, is a health challenge just the same as any other. And, yep. um, so I'm interested to hear for the family health system, how could that, um, you know, work uh, in tandem aside just from funding mental health, but creating a, a more stigma free environment for um, I know a lot of post-secondary students that 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 is that barrier for why they can't access it is is the stigma. It sounds like we need to do a lot more work um, with getting rid of the stigma of seeing mental health and showing people that it, it's just part of well-being. Um, that we need to be going. And I think that with mental health, sometimes we, we don't start seeing interventions until it's a crisis. And that, you know, if we can start doing more preventative medicine. Um, and, and I think that's where we would have those family health teams, is if you can start seeing a doctor sooner before it's a crisis, um, we can start putting those supports in place. And I, um, 
But I completely agree with you. Like, we need to be looking at how are we addressing people to feel like it's it's just part of going to see a doctor and that it is okay to seek help. Yeah. Um, and I think it's part of it is having more conversations around it with people to say it's okay. And so many of us have gone through it or we have friends or family and that um, we all at different times in our lives need to go seek help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it does, it does yeah. I think, create that culture shift just in having um, a team, right, and, yeah. and knowing that it's all that holistic health view. And, yes. um, yeah. you know, especially even at the university, that's why it's important to have a balance of, of doctors and um, mental health practitioners uh, or campus, uh, wellness services, for example, because um, it's not always going to be directly needing, knowing even, yeah. to you want to go speak to a mental health professional. Yes. And um, yeah. it can sometimes be identified through those things. Uh, so thank you for, yeah. for sharing on that. So finally, um, what is one takeaway you would like students to have from our conversation today, either about your yeah. platform or heading into this election or anything that you'd like to, to leave us with uh, today? Get out and vote. That would be my biggest takeaway for anybody listening yeah. right now. Uh, this is a pivotal election, and there is so much at stake for our province. We need to get out to vote. Every single vote counts, um, so don't think that it doesn't matter. Um, I have been encouraging every single person that I've talked to to get to the advanced polls uh, starting on May the 23rd. Um, it's, it's, it's pivotal, and it's, it's needed. And um, I guess the other takeaway is just... Um, you know, we haven't, you know, we've talked about mental health. We've talked about post-secondary and, and the family health teams and a little bit of, you know, my own little bit of education. We have so many other amazing commitments with the Alberta NDP. So please go to our Alberta NDP website and check out our commitments page. Um, and the other thing that excites me daily is the diversity of candidates that are running with Rachel Notley in this election. Um, it, we have great representation um from our cultural backgrounds, our jobs, you name it. And, and we're ready to govern um, in the next election with Rachel Notley. Amazing to hear. And thank you once again for okay. joining us today, Julia. It's been wonderful to chat. Yes, and uh, best of luck in the month ahead here. It yes. is definitely a uh, fast and busy time. But uh Thank you for joining us today. It really is uh, an important opportunity to help uh, students and, and the overall Calgary community learn more about the candidates that they that they have because, you know, we, we do tend to focus on, on party leaders um, when elections come around, but the individuals running for their constituencies, the people that you'll actually be working with um, are, I believe, sometimes even more important. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Uh, that was Julia Hader from Calgary, from running for uh, Calgary Edgemont with the yes. NDP. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I'm hopeful that I get to start working with you next month. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And so uh, as was mentioned uh, by Julia, encouraging you all to go and get that vote out. The University of Calgary will have advanced polls, um, I believe, on May 25th and 26th in the Hunter Student Commons area. And uh, you can find your SU hanging out there. And in the meantime, you can pledge to vote through the SU website um, if you're a student at UCalgary. And that means that you will be able to register for alerts and more to know uh, where to vote, when to vote, um, and all of that along the way, uh, especially since students aren't on campus as it's the spring semester. Uh, it's that much more important to remind your friends to vote, get involved, 
and uh, keep yourself in the loop as the election comes up. And those advanced polls on campus will be vote anywhere. So no matter where you live in the city um, or province, I think, uh, you'll be able to vote uh, for your home riding uh, on campus, which uh, personally, it's the way that I voted first uh, in when I was a student in 2015 for the federal election. And uh, it really does alleviate that stress of having to go after a long day on election day itself and wait in those lines. So definitely encourage you guys to come out for that. And uh, we'll see you there. So once again, thank you to our candidates. Um, today has uh, been a great way to get to know more about the election coming up here faster than ever. And I'll play us out with some music here. So you're going to hear Lavender and Velvet from Alina Baraz. And this has been the SU Weekly Show on CJSW 90.9. I'm your new SU president, Shazia Jinnah-Morset. Keep it locked and we'll see you next week. Oh